0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Tim Costello is a name that many Australians associate with social justice and integrity. It would be fair to say that as a Baptist minister, he has walked his talk, working with people affected by gambling addiction, poverty natural disasters and more. He was the CEO of World Vision Australia for 12 years and continues to advocate for those without a voice. He's now released a memoir, A Lot with a Little, with which he hopes to inspire others to find meaning in their life. Hi, Tim, how are you?
1: lovely to be with you. I'm doing well.
0: What was the most important aspect of your childhood that influenced the man you've become?
1: It really was the bookends of my parents' different take on Christian faith. Both had a Christian faith, but Dad's was uh, really escape from this world. It's too evil and broken and get to heaven, so it was a more salvation is in heaven message. Mum had a Christian faith but said, what's the point of climbing a ladder to heaven? Let's get back down and bring heaven on earth. Let's care for those who... Uh, hurting and suffering now. Both of those bookends of faith, actually, uh, in my parents' marriage, um, a marriage of 63 years, was probably the most important formative influence.
0: And in terms – you mentioned there the different philosophy. We, as parents, hear a lot about role modelling how did they role model those faiths? I mean, you mentioned your father was talking about heaven or light, Um, but your mum, it sounds like a very practical interpretation of faith. What did that look like in your family life?
1: Well, for mum, you always knew you could bring what she called strays home. That was her term for the kids from the local orphanage um, who became friends of mine at primary school, or people who didn't fit in. Look, dad was very um, hospitable too. Uh, he had been... Through depression fought in the war in New Guinea he had suffered a lot and uh, I don't blame him for his question being is there life after death because life was for him so arbitrary and uh, and threatening um, uh, my question is was and mums was is there life before death, can we be generous and hospitable and make a difference now? I, I often think of my kids, and their question seems to be: Is there life tonight? Is there a party on? Is there something <laughs> happening? Uh, so um, those 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 uh, approaches to how you ask the question about life, uh, I think, really influence me.
0: So. When your parents were raising you, did now that you look back, do you have a sense of what qualities they were trying to instill in you?
1: Oh, very much. Dad uh, was saying to me that uh, this world is uh, a veil of tears. There is suffering and don't be afraid of it because it produces character and character uh, is really the thing that's important in life. Uh, that's what I mean by... Trying to get to heaven, proving yourself in this in this world that you are a good character, and his spiritual approach was a wonderful gift to me. Uh, Mum certainly was uh, that character question, but uh, it was really, uh, and how are we doing good, and how can we actually bring joy and hope and compassion? Uh, how can we engage with this world here and now? So both both of them with their different. Uh, approaches to Christian faith uh, gave me wonderful gifts. Gifts that I treasure, gifts that shape me.
0: Do you think the way they parented at the time was unique to them and their faith or was it just different back then in terms of how we raised our kids?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we we have forgotten my baby booming generation. that We've been in the, uh, the longest time of prosperity without war. Uh, they mum mum was born in 1929 so very very young in depression years and uh, uh, young during the war, dad born in 1919 so for him uh, he remembers that uh, this very notion of democracy was at risk that uh, Britain was under assault America wasn't even part of the war a couple of small uh, countries Australia and New Zealand were helping Britain and you know it looked bleak uh, with the Nazis and then when the Japanese came in, uh, uh, America uh, came in. But this thing called democracy, very few nations were democratic. They were either uh, communist or they were still colonies. And so um, this idea that uh, you can have prosperity and stability and democracy, which my generation has treated as the norm, my parents' generation, my father didn't. So it was, where do you find meaning because it's not safe outside, and uh, life is arbitrary, and economic disasters. Like he had to leave school at fourteen, though he had a scholarship to stay, to work in a uh, a, a woman's women's hosiery manufacturing uh, factory. <laughs> um, so that sense of parenting said, well, give give kids resources uh, because there are dangerous things, arbitrary things. I think my generation became pretty soft. We've, the baby boomers have been the highest spending, worst saving, most self-indulgent generation in human history. I'm a bit critical of my generation <laughs> um, because we've had such long prosperity and stability and we just have taken democracy for granted as the norm. So I think a lot of parents, not just those of faith, were shaped by those big forces of depression and war and then what you tried to do for your kids.
0: Did you take anything from the way they parented you into how you've parented your own children?
1: Absolutely. You know, the, the extraordinary thing about being a parent is you—you uh, you suddenly find you're a parent. Well, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm an unreconstructed male, and I remember <laughs> saying to my wife uh, after our third child, uh, "I don't remember talking and agreeing to have children. How did this happen?"
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> oh, you're, you're too busy. Uh, so, uh, and and no one has prepared you for the greatest uh, challenge of your life, parenting. You know, you you suddenly are, th- are doing that at, in my case, 29, and um, so what it plays in the back of your mind, like an automatic uh, tape, is what your parents did. You, you you find you are just by instinct doing exactly the same thing. So. In our case, that was uh, no TV on at meal times. When I was growing up, we discussed what's happening in life. Meals would go for two hours. We would discuss everything. I remember a, a friend at 10 coming to our meal table and saying, Your family is weird.
0: <laughs> and
1: I said, Why? He said, We just eat our meal and turn the TV on or go and play. Your family keeps discussing and engaging. I thought all families did that. So I made sure that uh, with our three kids growing up, we did that. And, and their, our kids' friends loved it. It was almost countercultural to check in emotionally, to respect the cook by actually staying at the table and conversing and uh, being, being stretched. So absolutely, I did what my parents taught me.
0: And you're a grandfather now obviously between when you were a child and the way your parents grew up and your own children bringing their children up today, parenting's changed a lot. Um, what do you see as the pros and cons, I guess, of bringing up a child today?
1: Look, I think the signature of our age is anxiety at every level. I, I worry that the health- are so anxious that uh, they just know their child is special and the school mustn't have seen how special they are because they either got some bad grades or they got bullied and they're furious at the teacher and they're anxious about their child and they're over-involved and over-protected. That that was very different to my parents. I I think that anxiety uh, actually uh, prevents kids sometimes from the knocks in life from understanding that we're all fragile humans trying to get by, that our identity isn't tied up in our grades or whatever university course we got into. It goes much deeper. It's tied up in our character, which is really the gift from my father and my mother.
0: And in terms of that idea of character, um, because, as you say, we live in a time of great prosperity, there are possibly pressures from other stranger elements like the internet and social media and the prevalence of screens. How do you think you develop character? It doesn't sound like, you know, it's not like your parents made you sleep on the porch through winter or anything like that. So how, how would you describe the building of character?
1: Well, you know, my brother and I shared a bedroom for 17 years. Kids these days uh, all seem to have a fundamental human right to a bedroom. I'm talking about <laughs> middle-class families. Mm. Uh, And it actually didn't hurt us. Um, We uh, just played at length with our friends all day. There wasn't stranger danger. We certainly didn't have social media. To be honest, I wouldn't let kids on social media before they were 18. (laughs) I I know that sounds uh, dictatorial, but social media seems to have become this bubble of identity, of uh, uh, so much so that... uh, uh, I disagree with you on on social media now equals you must hate me um even just disagreeing or uh suddenly is uh a sense of fragility uh because it's it's so intrusive it's so uh about life. Lo- parts of our lives that we have to put up to tell a good story about ourselves i looked in the mirror and i've got a good story to tell about myself and please <laughs> validate it on, on on social media um that that does really worry me i think that is a profound shift and um uh you know i i would take kids phones at the school gate when they go to school and give them back at the end of the day uh i i just think the uh, the uh The virtual world has become just too, too domineering and often robbing kids of a childhood, the childhood that I had, that even my kids had.
0: We'll be back with Tim Costello right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand.
1: I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here.
0: But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you know, a monkey one. Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah. Like a disguise. (laughs) The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children, with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel, wherever you get your podcasts. Through your work, you've seen a lot of hardship, a lot of moments where people have hit rock bottom, both through your work with World Vision and also you're campaigning against gambling. Did that ever impact how you were with your own family? I mean, it's not your average nine-to-five job that you can leave at the front door.
1: No, I think my family had this sense that um, uh, Dad does what he does, and uh, it's a bit awkward. My son uh, uh, was asked at the age of 30 to write a letter to one of my sons, to his 13-year-old self, and uh, he'd brought his friends home because people with mental illness and sex workers and others would come to our home in St Kilda. One turned up when his friends were there. He uh, was so embarrassed because he realised how abnormal our, fun, our our family was. His friends were shocked that, you know, you'd let a person like that in and Elliot at first hand, given them a cup of tea just like we would and listened. Uh, and he was embarrassed. He said... Oh, this is my, my family's different. But at 30, writing to his 13 year old self, he was saying, this was just wonderful for setting me up and understanding, um, the diversity in life and being unafraid and being able to engage. Um, look, there are times and uh, I talk about this honestly in my book when I'm overseas and because my daughter struggled with a mental illness, I had her permission to actually talk about her struggle, and she's very brave. But there were times where I thought I'm out-saving others and I can't save my own daughter. Uh, times of guilt, times of feeling a failure. Um, and mental, mental illness uh, isn't caused by anything. It just sadly is, happens. So um, uh, with with all our, our kids, all three, they've actually, uh, I think, been as young adults far better for the way we grew. We, we parented in the sense that we had a purpose that we didn't, didn't just live for ourselves. There was this sense that you find your true self when you serve others, when you are able to engage uh, and and make a difference in others' lives. I think all our three kids are absolutely able to say that was that was a blessing, though it had difficult moments in their childhood.
0: And did it impact the way you thought about parenting um, when, you know, or or the way you you parented or or chose to do things with your kids, given that you were often exposed to, um, you know, children who didn't have enough to eat or children who were living through domestic violence? Um, That could be a very stark contrast when you – Walk back in the front door, and your children have just had a bath, and they're in their pajamas, and they're well fed, and you know exactly how you want them to be. But did that have an impact in the way you brought them up as well?
1: Yeah, look, I think they had perspective always that um, they were blessed. Uh, we weren't rich. I was on a Baptist minister's salary in St Kilda, but their their friends in the street in St Kilda were Cambodian refugees, and. Um, uh, kids of single parents often mum had a drug habit, and we were working with the whole family. They were exposed, uh, not in a helping sense, but in a sense that these these kids are our friends. Um, uh, when one of their best uh, friends, uh, the, we called them the soccer family, they, uh, the father cum died, and uh, I, um, you know, Cambodian, I did the funeral. I remember my kids. The youngest would have been five, the other seven and um nine. Uh, being at a funeral with an open casket, uh, a Buddhist funeral, uh, I thought, gee, I've never seen a body, you know, until I was well and truly an adult. Here were kids grieving with their friends, the four soccer children who had lost their father. My kids actually being exposed to that and, and feeling that... um Life is raw, but this is normal. Um, So I think it was integrated. It wasn't simply our kids in a little cocoon and me doing some heroic things outside and coming back. But you you go to a good point. Um, I would always make a point of reading to my kids when they're in their pyjamas and saying whatever's happened in the day and whatever You know, big or scary things that that are there, when you read to them, you say the world is still in its right place, that you still are loved, that you belong, that uh, you can feel safe. Um, We certainly tried to maintain that sort of rhythm.
0: You talk about how um, your faith helped you find meaning in the way you interpret your faith in terms of serving others. We do live in a a country, in a world, possibly you could say a world, that is, um, especially in Australia, less religious than it's been in the past. Do you think that you can find a similar kind of meaning without faith?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There are uh, a lot of people who uh, uh, would say to me, I don't accept your uh, belief that the world was created in love and is sustained in love and that we are meant to love you know I see it as a a cold arbitrary place with uh, the distances and outer space proving there is no being or God that's being or existence at the centre and yet they live exemplary lives they they are generous they have perspective they have empathy so uh i don't think uh i don't think uh faith necessarily is the prerequisite to being that for me um it's been important because it's given me a sense of meaning that um i am not just this heroic person against the odds in a cosmic universe where I'm just a biological freak and an accident, <laughs> uh, that, there is, that there is a purpose to my life. That's what faith has given me. But there are a lot of people without that who live very purposeful lives.
0: Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: That's a pleasure. Thank
0: you. That's Tim Costello, former CEO of World Vision Australia and Baptist Minister. His memoir is called A Lot With A Little, and you'll find links to the book in the notes of this episode.